Yesterday, we went into Caledonia, Mississippi, and we held a community outreach there. Not outreach as in, hey, come to, come to our church, but a community outreach as in we're reaching out our hands to tell people that Jesus still loves them, that God is still in control of all things and let people know, hey, we're here for you. We're here for you in, 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 in any time of the season. We're here for you, and we want to let you know that God still loves you. And here's the thing. 275 to 300 people showed up yesterday at Ola J. Pickett Park uh, just to be a part of what God was doing. It was an amazing, amazing time of worship, time of fellowship. I seen kids playing volleyball. I seen them playing football. I seen them making bracelets. I seen them playing tag. We ate all the snow cones you could eat in the world, hot dogs. We did everything, slides, game trucks. It was just an amazing time of complete unity in the city. So what I want to do right now is I want to thank from the leadership team of our church, I want to thank our outreach, our outreach team and our directors and leaders or outreach pastors, uh, Brother Corey and Sister Brooke, for putting this event together. They did an amazing job. Let's give them a hand. I want to celebrate our events team this morning that has only been together for about three weeks and have put together already two phenomenal outreaches and events um, they have made this process of doing things in the community so easy and, and and so rewarding so let's celebrate our events team this morning and then our dream team all the volunteers that show up and do the work smile on the face you know the interesting thing is many churches that pull off some of the things that God allows us to do here are pulling it off with paid staff and we're pulling it off with people that just love Jesus and volunteer. And our dream team yesterday was phenomenal. They were in their spots. Every time you look, they're smiling. They're talking to somebody. They're telling them about the camp impact coming up. They're telling them about God loves them and all these things. We got people pulling uh, uh, men out of trucks to get them to, to hear the worship and to hear the word that was being spoken and praying with them. We're getting calls last night from business owners that say our employees were touched by that event. They've been to many events in the city. They've never felt God's presence that way. Um, these two boys that, that they pulled out of the truck, they were sitting there, and they were there as attendants um, of the, the game truck that we rented yesterday. And they were sitting in the truck, and one of our dear brothers from Stan Firm Ministry in Aberdeen, which we love dearly, uh, Brother Vincent, he just walked right over there, seen them sitting in the truck, and got them out the truck and brought them out there where we were worshiping and prayed for them. And those boys stood outside that truck the rest of the event. And um, at the end, they called their boss and said, we've never experienced anything like this in our life. And that is just an amazing hats off to our dream team and everything you guys do. Just an awesome thing. But before you leave today, a uh, couple of things before we preach this message. We have printed Revive Church decals for the back of your vehicle free. We want everybody to have one. Our, our dream team will be at the back doors on the way out this morning. They want to give you a decal if you want to put it on your car, whatever you want to do. We'd love to see them all over Columbus, letting people know that Revive Church exists and is alive and well. The other thing is on the way out, there'll be some celebration out there. Uh, our events team has put together desserts for you guys. So grab some cake and some cookies and whatever else they got out there and uh, just enjoy it and enjoy the time together with God this morning. How many believe this morning that God can do the impossible? <laughs> He's going to make a believer out of us if we don't really quick. 
He, he's doing his best right now to make a believer out of us, if you hadn't noticed that. But uh, I want to share a quick story. What, what better sermon to preach on the first day of Revive Church than Revival Fires? What are Revival Fires and, and how do they work in our life? There's a story from some years ago where um, in Yosemite National Park, from the top of Granite Mountain, they used to have this thing they called uh, Revival Fires. Or they call, actually called it Firefall. Um, they're, they're at the top of the mountain. And what they would do is, is all year long you would have these trees that would fall over in the parks. And at the end of the year, they would take all these trees up to the top of the granite mountain and they would set them afire. And people would come from all over the place to stand at the bottom. You can Google it and stand at the bottom to watch these fires fall off the top of this mountain because it looked like just a big rainfall of fire. It was an amazing thing. Google it and, and see how neat the picture is. But what they would do is, is they would get everybody at the bottom and they would light these fires on top of this mountain and these bulldozers would get behind the fire and the people would holler from the bottom, let the fire fall, and they would push these, these fires off the top of the mountain and it would fall down the side and people would just get all excited, man, and they would cheer and all these things. Well, after the last one they had, a, a year or so later, a man shows up and he asked the park ranger, he said, hey, man, what time does the fire fall? This had been an event that had been carried on, and he was there to see it. And he said, what time does the fire fall? And the park ranger looked at him, and he said, the fire no longer falls here. We no longer have the fire falling off of the mountain anymore. And I believe this morning that if, if we can look back into the world we live in, sadly, we can say that many believers today are saying that there's no more fire that we're looking at the life of people many times and the fire is not falling there anymore. Or maybe we went through church all our life and the fire we felt as a child is not falling anymore. That all of a sudden people are showing up and where's the fire that used to fall? And they have to say, the fire no longer falls here. And he was troubled by it in his mind. He didn't understand that. Why would you just not have the fire falling that was once so beautiful and so powerful and so impactful for so many people. And we look at church today and we can ask the same question is why would we ever want to be in a situation where the fire that's so beautiful and so powerful and so impactful in the lives of people is not falling anymore? It's not the thing that people come to church. You know, church in the old days, the good thing about church in the traditional mindset was it was the hottest place on Sunday night and Wednesday night in the city. Because you never knew what was going to happen at church. Somebody was probably going to take off running and shouting. Everybody wanted to go to church to see what was going to happen inside the church that night. Today, it's almost like a place where people drag themselves. And it's like, I got to be there because I don't want nobody to know that I didn't show up for my weekly meeting at church. Rather than saying, I'm going to see when the fire falls and what happens in the house of God. I'm going to see who's ignited by the very fires of God and how their life is being changed. The church used to be the center part of the cities. And now it's all kind of man-made things. And the church has to come back to the revival fire that people in the city look and say, I got to get there to see what God's going to do. Matthew 25 and 8, the Bible says that the foolish ones said to the wise, give me some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. One translation writes it like this, and it's really the best way I like to hear it. It says, give us your oil because our flame is dying. It's not the fact that they never had oil. It's the fact that the flame had died out and they had nothing to reignite it in the time when it needed to fall. And we got to be careful that in our spiritual walk, 
that we don't find our place where we say we need something to reignite my fire, that my flame has gone out. It's a kindling thing. It's, a, it's an always building. It's an always letting the Holy Ghost burn inside of us, letting God's Spirit burn deep inside of us and ignite fires. There's so many Christians in the day walking around the world with no shining of fire on their face, no joy, no peace, no comfort, no happiness. All they can say is one time I went to an altar and I asked God to save me and I left it there and nothing else happened. But God said there's fire that falls from heaven that will ignite your life and change everything that you're in touch to. There is still fire that falls today. The Holy Spirit has not weakened any in our generation. The Holy Spirit has not given away any of his power in our generation. The Holy Spirit still desires to let the fire fall in the church. He still desires it 100%. So why is this so important, Pastor? Because if I am a child of God, and I say that I serve God and that God is with me and God is in me and, and I have him with me everywhere I go, the Bible says that he is our fire. The Bible pretty much tells us that without the fire of God, we are almost separated from God. Hebrews 12 and 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. He consumes everything in our life. He burns up the iniquities. He burns up the things that are, that are not godly, and he leads us in the power and authority of his walk. Malachi 3 and 2 says, for he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. Isaiah 4 and 4 says that by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, the Lord would respond. Matthew 3 and 11 says that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Not only is our God a symbol of fire, but his acceptance of a sacrificial life is fire. All through the Bible, we see that the fire is the acceptance of God. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Church, in the Old Testament, they would lay a sacrifice on the altars and the fire of God would consume the sacrifice. That God would announce his acceptance by the consumption of what they had put there. And because the generation we live in has become a New Testament only generation that says we no longer live by the Old Testament, we're not saying live by it, but we need to reflect to it to see how to put our life on the altars. We're not saying that we have to go by laws and rituals, but we need to understand why they put the sacrifice on the altar and what was the sacrifice and what was acceptable to God. His fire would consume it. Leviticus 9 and 24 says, Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted for joy and they fell face down. I wonder this morning, is there anybody in this room that still has the fire of God on their life? I wonder this morning, is there anybody in this room that says, Pastor, my heart is burning when the word of God is spoken. Pastor, I feel like Jeremiah, that although I, I'm living in a nation where people don't see it the way I see it and, and they don't see that the fire is important, that when the word of God is spoken, my heart burns within. On the road to Emmaus, they told him that. He said that their hearts were burning on the inside as the word was spoken. There was a fire. There was something different about what was happening. Romans 12 and 1 says that to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is the New Testament. Offer your body as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pro proper worship. Church, our, our, our life this morning is a sacrifice. The fire falling from heaven, God accepting the sacrificial life that we live, saying that our life is presented in a, in a bold and godly way, pleasing to him. The, the acceptance of that sacrifice is a form of our worship. 
Some of the times that we struggle to worship may be because the things that are on the altar of sacrifice are not pleasing to God. And I'm struggling to worship because when the fire is consuming, it's burning inside of me and I can't help but to worship. I can't help but to praise this morning. Genesis 15, Abraham splits five animals. He lays half on one side and half on the other. He offers this as a sacrifice to God and the Bible says that there came a flame of fire from heaven and God walked through the sacrifices. God approved what he was doing by fire. The fire of our life speaks a lot about the approval of what God sees in our life. The fire on the inside of what we're going through in life and how we present our walk with God speaks a lot to what God thinks is acceptable in our life. Samson's father in Judges 13 made a sacrifice. The Bible says, as the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, that his father and his wife fell on their faces to the ground and worshiped God. God approved this by fire. Can you imagine this morning, church, presenting your life as a living sacrifice to God in all the areas of your life and watching an angel descend from heaven in the midst of the fire that God has approved your life? Could you imagine what that would be like? It's no different than the Holy Spirit giving us authority and power and ascending from heaven and showing the approval on the life that we live as living sacrifices. It's the fire. It's the fire. Without the church, there's, without the fire, there's no church. Without the fire, there's no preaching. Without the fire, there's no worship. It's the fire that makes the difference. It's the fire that shows the acceptance. Here's the whole thing. Not only God ex- shows acceptance, not only is he in the fire, not only does he show the acceptance of the fire, but Zechariah 2, he shows where his fire separates. He shows where there's a line that separates the things of him, where he says that Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock within. He said, but I will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord. And I will be the glory within it. The fire separated. Listen, the enemy all through the Old Testament, God led his people a cloud by day and a fire by night. Why? Because the enemy had nothing for that. He couldn't see that. He couldn't do those things. The fire on the inside of us is what keeps the separation from us and the enemy. The fire is what builds the wall. The fire of the Holy Spirit is what separates the attacks of the enemy from a godly walk of a Christian. When I walk with fire, the enemy has no match. When I walk with fire, he is nothing for what God is doing in my life. But when there is no fire, there is weakness in the mind. And the reason that we struggle at times as Christians is because what's in our mind is coming out of our mouth and we're telling the enemy the plan and he's able to respond to it. When there's fire, we understand there's a separation and I don't have to do it, God will do it. But when there's no fire, I find myself doing everything on my own. I separate from the will of God and the enemy sees every plan that I feel is for my life. And that's why we face so many attacks that we feel, how does he get inside of this? How does he see this? How did he know this was going to happen? Because I spoke it so much. And I talked about it so much. There was no fire consuming my life and getting me focused on the things of God. Second Kings 6 and 17, the Bible says, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw that his hills were full of horses and chariots of fire were all around Elisha. The fire of separation. What separates it, Pastor? 
the fire of preaching, the fire of worship, the fire of outreaching, the fire in greeting, the fire in meeting together. Charles Spurgeon said it best. He said, put fire in the sermon or put your sermon in the fire. If there's nothing that separates the life of a sinner from the life of a child of God, put the sermon in the fire. The fire separates it all. The fire makes the difference this morning, and I believe that God's in the fire. I believe that he's a consuming fire, as his word says this morning. Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel, 450 prophets of Baal. Here he gets ready to fight them. Here he goes to battle. He feels like he's all alone, but he knows in the back of his mind, he knows in his heart that God is fire. He says, here's what we will do. I'll make a deal with you. He says, I will allow you to make a sacrifice, and I will make a sacrifice, and we'll lay both of our sacrifices on the altar. He says, and then you can cry out to your God, and I will cry out to my God, and the God that answers by fire, let him be God. The God that consumes the sacrifice, the God that is fire, let him be God. Not the God that does it any other way. Not the God that comes in the way we want him to. Not the God that shows up in the materialistic things. He said, the God that answers by fire, he will be God. He will be God. So here's what he does. Elijah makes one deal with him. He says, you can call on your God and I'll call on mine. But watch this. I think we missed this part a lot in that scripture. He says, there's only one rule. You, can't light the, you cannot light the fire. You can't light the fire and say that your God showed up. You can't light the fire and say your God answered. There's a problem there. There's too much man-lit fire in the church. There's too many man-lit fires going on in the church. There's too many preachers that are chasing people in the church around with a lighter making it to be fire, and it's not fire from heaven. He said, you can't light the fire. The fire must fall from heaven, and we'll call him God. We'll let him be God. Too many doing that in the generation we live in. Pastor, why is revival not sweeping our nation? Because fire is not falling from heaven. Why is revival not sweeping our families? Why are so many people struggling? Because we have man-made lit fires in the church. I was quiet on that one. There's too many that are running and dancing in the church because somebody has taught them how to do it. We don't need fires. We need Holy Ghost fire in the church that when it consumes my life, I can't help but to respond to it in whatever way God is calling and prompting me to respond. If I run, it's because the Holy Spirit said run. If I shout, it's because the Holy Spirit said shout. If I sing a song, it's because the Holy Spirit said sing it. If I preach a message, it's because the Holy Spirit said preach it. It didn't come from the committee that said let me approve your sermon. It didn't come from the set list that said we sing these songs this Sunday to match this service. It said let the Holy Ghost fire fall from heaven and consume the sacrifice of the team that's leading the church. There's a big difference. When the program surpasses the people, man's lit the fire. When the production surpasses the presence, man has lit the fire. When the clock surpasses the king, man has lit the fire. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you responding this morning. Man-lit fire does nothing for the life of a person who is struggling. What does that mean this morning? I believe that in the time we're living in, that churches are being ran by leaders that operate as the prophets of Baal. How did they get their God to respond? By show. 
They jumped on top of the altars. They cut themselves for attention. They drew everything to what they were doing to try to get their God to respond to them. And Elijah said, that's not how you do it. Elijah said, your God must be on vacation. Maybe he's in a meeting. Maybe he's sleeping. But my God would have already responded because I don't have to work for it. I don't have to do things that ain't there and try to make it happen. He said, fire will fall from heaven when God has accepted the sacrifice of the life of a believer. Fires, revival, fires. Watch what Elijah does, and I'm, I'm going to show you what Elijah had the perfect way of seeing God move. Number one, the Bible says this. The very first thing Elijah did was he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. The very first thing Elijah did. Church, listen to me. He repaired the altars of God. He didn't try anything else. He said, I know what works. Get the altar back. Let me tell you something. Coming to church and not giving people a time to really seek God and not giving people a time for people to lay hands on them, as the Bible says, and pray for them and have a moment with God in the altars will not get the fire of God falling in the church. He said, the first thing I did was I repaired the altars of God. Yes, we can look at the heart of man today and say, repair your heart for the altar of God as a sacrifice. But there has to be a time where people can bring living sacrifices and lay them down in the church and feel like they are in one body where people are praying with them and people are standing in the gap with them and the fire of God will fall on the lives. Elijah said, I'm going to rebuild the altars. That's the first thing I'm going to do. And I believe the fire is going to fall. He said, I believe I'm going to lay it all down and God's going to consume my life. Second thing he did is he said, I prepared the sacrifice. Here's what I want you to know this morning. You don't have to have it all together this morning, but you need to be willing to get it together. You don't have to go to a church and act like you have it all together, but you got to be willing to let God get it together. If I want the fire of God to fall on my life, I don't have to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. I don't have to have all my ducks in a row. None of us do. But I have to be willing to say that when God pricks my heart and he puts his finger on that part of my life, that I am fully willing to let God, let that become a sacrifice and let him, let the fire fall on the situation. But if we don't open time in church for that these days, God, people are feeling the drawing of God all over this nation. And right as God gets to move, we shut it down. Right as God begins to sweep right into the services, time's up. Next service. Right as God begins to move in, time's up. Got to do something else. God said, it has to be my time. Elijah said, I prepared the sacrifice. The third thing he did was he prayed to the Lord. Elijah didn't try to work the spirit. I've heard ministers tell me this so many times. I love how that guy knows how to work the spirit. That's spiritual prostitution. You can't pimp the Spirit of God. There's no working the Spirit of God. You flow with the Spirit of God. You can't work the Spirit into the service. You can't work the Spirit into the message. You can't work the Spirit in the worship. You have to flow with what God wants to do and let God work you into the service. Let God work you into the worship. Let God work you into the message. Let God work you into the things he wants to do. Elijah said, I prayed for God to move in God's timing and how God wanted it to happen. Let the fire fall on the altar. Fourth thing he did is he put the wood on it. This is probably my favorite of all of what he did because it wasn't prime wood. It was wet wood. He poured water all over. 
He filled up trenches with water. You know why he did that? Because he's trying to show us today. You don't have to go out and get a special wood for the sacrifice. You just need to bring what you have. Because he wanted the prophets of Baal to know, my God works all situations. My God works all miracles. My God works with all stories. My God works with all paths. My God works with all sickness. My God will work with what you bring to these altars. Whether it be prime wood and you've been in church all your life and you're well-rounded in doctrine and knowledge and you come and bring a sacrifice, he said, my God will work with that. First time you ever step in church and your life feels like it's falling apart and you go to the altars and bring them there, he said, my God will work with that. Maybe you're in the middle of your journey and you don't know what God wants you to do and you're kind of confused on where he wants you to go and what he, what he has for your life. He said, you bring that here, my God will work with that too. It don't have to be the promise. God just needs the wood on the altar. I just needs the sacrifice. We want revival fires in a nation. We just need to be willing to be the sacrifice and let God burn it up. But here's the next thing is we've got to keep it burning. Proverbs 20 and 26 and 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. What a profound scripture. What's simple? Simplicity to it. Without wood, the fire goes out. If there's no wood there, he says there's no fire. What are the woods today that we can use? What are we looking at, Pastor? I'm talking about the wood of praise, the wood of worship, the wood of prayer, the wood of sacrifice, the wood of fasting, the wood of serving, the wood of study the wood of resisting the devil and temptation, the wood of giving. Come on, church. You don't have a bonfire without the wood. Nothing burns. You can't, you can't smoke no meat. You can't do anything if the wood box is empty. You got to keep putting it on the fire. Otherwise, it comes consumed with ashes, and it's just little embers that are burning. That's what happened at Yosemite Park is they just left it with embers, and there was no fire falling, and nobody wanted to gather. I can promise you one thing. You want to see revival in the church and you want to see people fill a church, let the fire fall. Let people start getting out of wheelchair. Let people lay crutches down. Let miracles start to happen. Let people come here and cancer fall off their body. Let people come here and lay drugs on the altars. Let people come here and see marriages restored. Let all these things begin to happen in the fire of God falling and you'll see the church fill up. Because people will know my situation can't be fixed unless I get under the fall, the falling fire of God which is the Holy Spirit. God still wants to send fire today. But 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19 says this, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. What does he mean? He said, get the fake logs out of the fire. Get the fake logs out of the smoke box. Get the religious mindset out the fire. Get it out the smoke box. Get man's ways out the, out the fire. Get it out the smoke box. Get the days of playing church out the fire. Get the days of serving for attention out the fire. Get the fake logs out the fire. Get the yes men out of the church. Get the puppets out of the pulpit. Get the fake logs out of the fire. And God will consume the sacrifice. Troubling times in a nation needs people that believe God's fire still burns people that believe in revival, people that believe God is still doing the miraculous that he did in your life and in mine. The last thing I want to show you is this. Burn away the hardness. Burn away the hardness. The redwoods in California used to catch fire every time lightning would hit them. 
And there were some things that would take place that people didn't really understand. And I want to relate it to a scripture to you this morning. Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. What does that have to do with the red one? Come on, worship team. What would happen is, is they had these thick forces of all these woods. And lightning would hit. And when lightning would hit, it would catch fire to them. Now, in the old times, when they were dealing with these forest fires, they didn't have the technology that they have today. So what would happen is, is they weren't so quick to put the fires out. They couldn't do it the way that it's done today. They had to actually allow it to burn for a little while. And when they would do this, the seeds that would fall, what actually would take place is this. There's a hardness on these seeds. And in the old times, the hardness would actually burn off that the seeds could actually plant in the ground, take root, and grow more redwoods. But as time has gone along, and as time has come about, they got technology. And they got very modernized. And now what happens is this, that when the fire starts in the forest, they're very quick to put it out. What happens with that is the seeds that are on the ground, the hardness can't burn off of. And when the hardness can't burn, the next generation of trees can't sprout. The same way in the church. When the fire is falling and we are trying to put it out with everything in the church, not even realizing that our own abilities are hurting us. We are not allowing the hardness of hearts to burn off, that these seeds can be planted in a generation of strong trees can be rooted. So the fire burned great in my generation. The fire burned great in your generation. But the generation we're in today is quenching it. And then we wonder why the next generation is struggling to know anything about God, any fire, any move of God. And they don't understand what the Holy Spirit is. They don't understand what he does in people's life. They don't understand how he manifests in a service. They never heard of the Holy Ghost. They don't know none of these things. Because the fire is being put out before the seeds, the hardness can be burned off. And it causes people to give up. So Jesus tells them, he says, here's the whole deal behind this thing, guys. He says, if you want to be my disciple, then take up your cross. He said, and take up your cross and follow me. But the whole problem behind it is, is we don't want to take up the cross because we have a misconception of what the cross is. We believe that everything to do with the cross is suffering. Yes, it has a form of suffering. Yes, it was a cruel. It was cruel. Yes, it was, it was a bad thing to watch. But had that cross not happened, there's no blessings. There's no healings. There's no deliverances. There's no restoration. There's no revival. The next generation has to know that in order for the fire to fall, they've got to stick things out. They've got to let the hardness of the seeds that's been planted in them through it I know it that you got to do this and you got to do that to get to God and you got to work this way and, and you got to wear that and you got to act this way and you got to say that and because they're not feeling the fire they stay with their hearts hardened towards God 
said, but if you'll just let the fire burn, if you'll let the fire fall, all that heart is And you'll see a generation that's strong. But because we don't, they go through opposition. They go through hard times. And the cross gets heavy. And they begin to ask God, God, I, I want to serve you. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. I want to experience you. But this life and this cross is just too heavy. I can't line up to everything they want me to do. I don't want to dress the way they want me to dress. I don't want to do the things that they just want me to do. So give me a lighter cross. Give me something that I can bear. And life is looking at me in the face. And I've got- 
me in my eyes and the enemy saying quit. I've got a choice to make. Let it go or go with God. When I'm with that friend that mama and daddy said you shouldn't be with and it's 12 o'clock at night and I was supposed to be home at 11 and I'm standing in front of a drug dealer that's got drugs in his hand and I got to make a decision, get out the car and do the hard thing and walk home and follow God or follow my friend.
the right cross in life. Church, when you get the right cross in your hands, you'll begin to let the right fire fall.
Bible says that if we'll repent of our sins, that he's faithful and he's just, he'll forgive us. He'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This I don't have anything for you to recite. But you have a heart that knows what you've been through. And if you'll cry from your heart this morning, for God to forgive you of the things you've done. Acknowledging the fact that he is Savior of the world. He did die on the cross. He was buried. He did rise again.